Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. This episode of The Bell Tell has been produced by our sister podcast, The Indo-Daily. The mystery behind a gruesome double murder in a lonely Longford village. It was a bitter winter's day in 1986, and as he left the church in the village of Ocknacliffe in North Longford after the funeral, I approached Albert Reynolds, the local TD, and I asked him if he knew why the man and woman had been murdered. I'd tell you if I knew, but to be honest, I haven't a clue, he said, as our frosty breaths merged in the cold November air. I knew her well. She was a constituency worker of mine and helped out at elections, but I didn't know your man at all. I'm Fiona Sheehan, and today on the Indo Daily, I'm joined by Liam Collins, journalist with the Sunday Independent, who reported on this story at the time and is revisiting it now all these years later. Liam, can you take us back to the mid-80s in Longford and around about the village of Ocknacliffe? Now, people in Ocknacliffe would argue a town rather than, than a village, but nonetheless, what was life like there at the time? 37 years ago, it was, there was, wasn't the kind of wealth or the cars or the houses that there are now. It was much more basic kind of place, a nice, uh, a nice little town and um, quiet place that, you know, even the Longford papers when I worked there, not a lot happened in Ocknacliffe. Not really a place that was on the, on the map for any particular reason. Yeah, there was a particular reason, though, in 1986. Uh, and it even brought the likes of yourself down from Dublin to, to cover. The Guardies say they don't know of any motive for the killing of Thomas Taff and Marie Murta at this lonely farmhouse at Clonback in North Longford sometime over the weekend. So I was dispatched down after reports of um, a double murder uh, quite close to the village, my news editor said to me, you're, you're know your way around Longford. I want you to go down there and find out uh, what really happened because it was a huge mystery as to, um, as to how, why two people had been um, basically executed in cold blood and there was very little information coming from um, any sources down there. Who were the victims? 
The victims were a woman called Mary Murta. She was uh, 43 years old. She, was, she had a, a farm and she had a little tin shop in the nearby hamlet of Lega where she sold some very basic kind of groceries and the newspapers. And she lived in this old-style farmhouse out in the middle of the countryside between Ochnacliff and Lega. There was a Tom Taff who was uh, 50 and he had been in a neighbour of hers and he had been in bad health and after his mother died, he needed someone to look after him, as they did in those days. And so he moved into her her farmhouse and it was a big, um, big enough farmhouse for the area. They weren't in a relationship No, no, no. I, I, there was no romantic entanglement or involvement. He had a few acres as well, and uh, she seemed to be the the um, the driving force, if you like. She had the shop, she dealt in cattle, and she had the farm. So they, they pooled the resources, and uh, they worked together. He, as I say, wasn't very well, and so um, she was the main um, farmer, if you like, in the household. What do we know of that? day and that night of Saturday, November 15th, 1986. It was November, so it was around seven or eight o'clock in the evening and uh, the roads would have been very, very quiet at at that time and they still are today. And um, they drove the cattle along the road. She was in her car, a Volkswagen, and he was in a, a van that he had. And they got the cattle to the bit of um, the other piece of land. And on the way back, they called to a house um, of a girl who sometimes worked in the shop. And um, Mary Murta told this girl that they would be opening the following morning, the Sunday morning. Uh, usually pretty early because people were calling for papers and, you know, farmers were up early doing jobs and chores and, and going to Mass. It was, a, as we know, in, in 86, virtually every person went to Mass. And then at what point are concerns raised? Every day the shop is beside the church below, like a church. And she sold the papers there daily and... Everybody got their paper there on the Sunday morning and there was no shop open on, there was no shop open on Monday. The shop didn't open, which was on Sunday morning. So people after Mass were kind of standing around the front door and uh, wondering what, what it was, um, why she wasn't there, because she wasn't a woman not to, you know, to turn away business. So um, they stayed around for a couple of hours and... Basically, it was November weather. They went to back to their houses and it was more or less forgotten about. And then the following morning, which was the Monday, the shop didn't open again. So people were getting curious. It was eventually the priest who decided he'd go down to the house uh, on the Monday evening and uh, see if they were in trouble. Basically, he was going down on a, uh, you know, mercy if they needed to help. He, maybe they were ill or something like that and he needed to get them a dinners or whatever. What did the, the, the local priest discover at the scene? The local priest was uh, um, Father Eugene Cox. He arrived at the, the house. The front door was closed. Um, there were lights on 
He tried the back door, which normally would have been open, but it was blocked from the inside by a broom or a a brush handle. And he gave it a shove and in he went. He noticed that um, the range had gone out. And, you know, in, in, in the country, as you know, at that, in those days, the range went on, probably was on 24 hours a day, basically, because that's the only heat they had, and they used it for cooking. And the range was gone out. There were sausages on the, in the pan, which was on the range. There was a, a carton of milk on the table. And he thought, this is, this is really unusual. Um, and then suddenly he looked further past the table, and there were the two bodies lying on the floor. And obviously he was shocked and and stunned. I mean, it was the last thing he had expected to happen. And they were kind of lying in a V-shape, but as as though both had fallen backwards. That's right. They 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 were lying in a V-shape, and it later emerged that Mary Murta had been shot in the head and the abdomen and um, Tom Taffer being shot in the head. And, you know, it was very, very clinical, whoever had had uh, had carried out this operation. Fair to say as well that bemusement, bafflement, confusion. Now, people uh, at the time, they were said there was no motive, there was no money missing, there was no feud in the family. There was nothing that to give an indication. I mean, it was so, it looked so random and yet so deliberate that everybody was very, very puzzled. It did emerge later that there was about £6,000 in cash was missing from the house. A lot of money. It was a huge amount of money at that time, especially um, in cash. But then... You know, not everybody uh, put their money in the bank in those days. So it it might have been accumulated over, you know, a period of time. But yeah, it was missing. It it was only discovered much later that it was missing. And you were at the funeral of Mary Murphy? Yeah, I went to the funeral. I remember it was a very frosty morning. I nearly crashed the car going down from Dublin. Got talking to Cliff and the funeral was already on, but I stood in the back and one of the first people uh, to come out of the church was uh, Albert Reynolds, who I knew very well from Longford because I had worked for him in, in a newspaper he owned there. I thought, this is it. I'm definitely going to get the story here. So I said it to Albert, uh, what, you know, what happened? Can you give me an idea? And he said... Liam, I don't have a clue, he said. I knew she was a, a Fianna Fáil supporter of mine, he said, and she did some work at elections. And he said, I didn't know Mr. Taff at all. Um, I don't know what, uh, I have no idea what's going on here. But he says, very, very mysterious. And he said, you know, he was the kind of man who, he, was, he liked to know what was happening. That was part of his his business as a politician. And he said he was quite baffled. And then he pointed across the fields and he said, well, Hubert Reynolds of the murder squad was born over there. He'll, he might know something and I'll give him a ring later on. Um, and uh, we parted like that. I then 
uh, went into Ochna Cliff because the parish priest at the time was a fellow called Father John Corkery, and he had been a great friend of my mother's. And I said, he'll know. He hadn't any knowledge either. So it was really baffling. And um, I was in a quandary, you know, I was expected to file a story um, for Sunday. So we're talking about Friday you know, around lunchtime and I didn't have a thing and I wondered what I'd do. Would I go back to Dublin and make a few phone calls? Um, but for some reason, I decided I'd drive into Longford, uh, go into the Longford Arms and have a bowl of soup and a sandwich and see if I encountered anybody who who might be able to tell me. Who did you bump into inside in Longford and tell us? <laughs> well, I cannot <laughs> actually. You bumped into for quite a long period of time. <laughs> I, I was leaving. I had my soup and sandwich and then I encountered this fella that I knew and he said, as they'd always say, you know, what, what are you, what in the name of Jesus are you doing down here? So I, I explained and this uh, friend said to me, listen, he said, I know exactly the guy who'll tell you what happened. And I was kind of so desperate, I said, all right, what, what do we have to do? Well, well, we'll have to go around, we'll have to have a pint first, and then we'll have to probably go around a few pubs, but we'll definitely meet him. And uh, so the afternoon was spent uh, meandering up and down various pubs in, in Longford. And for some reason, maybe it was he was hearing something from other people but we we came back to the Longford Arms and I think it it, it was half seven or eight o'clock uh, in the evening at this stage and uh, I was certainly beginning to think I was sold a pup you know that he just wanted somebody to knew to have a drink with because you know the way they'd get tired of the same crowd all the time and uh, but, you know, I was so far in at this stage, I knew I wasn't going to get back to Dublin. So we sat and had another drink in, in the Longford Arms. So he suddenly stood up and he said, Jeez, there's your man over there. You stay where you are. I'll, I'll go and talk to him and I'll bring him back to you. And that's exactly what he did. What did uh, this individual who he, who he was bringing you, the font of all knowledge, what did he have to tell you? This individual basically looked at me and he said, yeah, the Sunday Independent. Yeah, he says, well, what do you want to know? And I says, well, I want to know what happened and why, if you can tell me. And he said, well, I can tell you that uh, they were shot by loyalists. And I was astonished at this. And I said, how do you mean loyalists? He said, loyalists from Derry. He said... Mary Murta was involved in a little bit of cattle smuggling. Um, and these she was involved with these people. And at the time, you know, the border was was very porous. There was cattle and uh, and marked diesel, and they were they were innocent in comparison to some of the stuff that was going over and back. But um Apparently, there was a row over money and uh, four people arrived, had arrived on the Saturday night in a car uh, and they, two of them, I think, went into the house, according to uh, this informative mine. 
they, a row developed between them and Mary Martha, and they literally just pick up a gun and shot her. Tom Taff was totally innocent as far as he said uh, his information was that he just happened to be there at the time. And because he might have recognized them, they didn't want any loose ends, and they basically just shot him dead. This was not uh, a, a story without foundation, uh, as as it turned out. What, what, oh, what happened no. with the investigation? Well, also? what I said to him, first of all, or sorry, at the, after he told me, I said, why are, you, why are you telling me this? I said, I'm from the Sunday Independent, and, uh, you know... He had intimated to me that the lads who he didn't um, he didn't identify, but the lads in the area knew the had had supplied him the information, or he was privy to to what they were saying. And basically, the lads were um, either IRA people or IRA supporters who watched the roads. They used it for their own purposes, and obviously, they had a lot of intelligence and. The people had been seen coming and going, although this information was never imparted to the Gardaí. And I said, well, why are you telling me? I mean, the Sunday Independent wouldn't have been particularly friendly at the time. And he said, look, we just want you to feck off out of here and we want the guards to feck off. So the sooner this uh, is all cleared up, the better for us and we can get back to normal, uh, resume normal um, operation. Yeah, so from, from the IRS perspective, A, they didn't want to be suspected of, of, oh, of no, this murder no, because no, it seemed because to be quite wouldn't, professional. Yeah, yeah. And likewise, they had activities, shall we say, along the border that, that the extra police presence wasn't helping with. Absolutely, yeah, okay. yeah. Then he said, I can tell you who the murderers were, and he, he gave me the names of, uh, uh, the surname of people he said were involved. Yeah, and... As the investigation progressed, this did seem to be the route it went down. It did. A lot of things happened quite soon afterwards. Um, uh, One being that Desi O'Hare kidnapped uh, John O'Grady, the dentist. And obviously, that was such a sensational case and it went on for... I think a couple of weeks. A nationwide manhunt. A yeah, nationwide manhunt. A, a man whose fingers been cut off um, and sent in the post to his relatives, and uh, a, yeah, shootout down in Kilkenny. So, and it was shifting all the time. So, this double murder in Longford got forgotten about really in that whole um, all the activity that followed, and also a, a thing that, and I've often come to. Um, Reflect on it, there were no pictures of either of them. So the media, you know, after the initial um, interest and the mystery of it, the media had moved on. And because there were no pictures of the people involved and they didn't have children, they did have relatives, but, you know, if you have very close relatives and they, uh, a husband or a wife who who is constantly clamoring to get some information and get more, and you know, the media tend to take uh, notice, and so do the authorities. And so it, it drifted off the agenda. There was at one point a fairly heavy trail of, of evidence and investigation, but ultimately um, it, it didn't result in a prosecution. 
Well, it did result in a prosecution, but the prosecution was basically thrown out. The accused person had apparently been held uh, for three days in a Garda station without access to a solicitor. And um, the judge who was hearing the case, obviously his lawyers then made a very... He had made... He had said things and they had a confession. And the judge ruled uh, that the confession was inadmissible because of the circumstances in which he had been held and because he hadn't had access to a lawyer. And so basically, without that confession, um, the guards had nothing. And... and the story there was indeed linked back to loyalists from Derry. Oh, it did, yeah. There, there, there was no doubt. And uh, the name that had been, I'd been told late at night in the Longford Arms, and I had scribbled down in a notebook very hastily. Um, yes, it was the same name. Okay, so uh, apparent motive and and perpetrator, but ultimately still remains an un- unsolved murder. What, what, what? sparked your recollection of this story? It still resonated with me kind of over the years and um, I often thought about it but I probably was in the back of my mind and one day I went uh, down to Longford and went for a cycle and I ended up going to Balnamuck and I saw a sign for Lega so I said God I must just go over there and see is the shop still around and I was going to say hello to the priest but he has since died. And so then I kept going and I went across the the, the uh, very rural part uh, to Clune back and I saw the house falling into disrepair down in a little valley and went into Ockner Cliff. And I talked to a couple of people, but it had faded from even from folk memory, you know. It's uh, And I thought that rather sad, really, but uh, understandable as well because of the mystery involved. And um, so I um, I don't know, I just was thought I must write it up someday and see if it stirs any memory. Um, and a guy did ring me from Longford on Sunday. He said he was out in another village and they were talking about it, but nobody had any memory of it either. And my thanks to Liam Collins. I'm Fiannon Sheehan, and today's episode of the Indo-Daily was produced by Gareth Mulhall, researched by Dave Hanratty, with sound by John Smith. Archive clips from RTE News and the Irish Independent. If you enjoy the Indo-Daily, don't forget to like, follow and leave us a review. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.